Bradley Reese is uh, somebody who you might recognize right away. Uh, Bradley has been up on this up on the stage a few times. Bradley and Alex both, his wife. Bradley uh, started volunteering um, a few years back mm-hmm. while you were a student at UNI, right? Yep. And uh, in in our our music ministry at Basic, even here, you moved on to our staff part time, and in August you will be stepping into a full-time leadership role within yep. our worship ministry team. So we, we appreciate that. So uh, a while back, Bradley shared his story uh, in this room in front of the front of Big House, our high school ministry. And we heard that it was such a compelling story that we said, you know, we, when we get to stories from the seat, we want to make sure that, that Bradley has an opportunity to share his story with all of us. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Bradley Reese, like Doug said. Uh, I'm on staff here at Orchard Hill, and I work mostly with students in ministry. I usually stand over there, but now I'm right here. So I also graduated from UNI just about a week ago uh, with a degree in music education, and I love music. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, I'm originally from the Davenport area, uh, where I grew up with an amazing family. I was raised in a devoted Christian home by a couple of the most hardworking and supportive parents anyone could ask for. And with four siblings, including three older sisters, who truly helped raise me to be the person I am today. Now, ours was uh, what many would call a charismatic Christian background. We believed, and still do believe, um, that the Holy Spirit is still active today, and in spiritual gifts, such as the gift of tongues um, and miraculous physical healing. Now, when I was growing up, this was like just commonplace. It was just the way things were, right? But it wasn't until about high school that I really decided that this faith was something I wanted to hold on to. It was also around this time, uh, when I was in the middle of my awkward early teen years, when I met the love of my life. Her name was Alexandria, and we're married now. Alex and I met when we were about 13, and we started a friendship that would never end. To this day, I really don't understand why she was such a good friend to me in all of my awkwardness, but I'm guessing it was from my afro. True story, I had an afro. Now, at any rate, I knew I wanted to marry her when I was 15, and through the mentorship and guidance from our parents and our youth leaders, uh, that happened six years later. We got married in July of 2013. She is like the greatest human on the planet, but you'll hear more about that later. Now, I'm only 22 years old, but I'm already starting to see little glimpses into the big story that God's writing with my life. There are many, many chapters, but today I'm going to focus on just one. So when I was in high school, I noticed that I had this little bump on my shoulder. Now, at the time, I didn't really think anything of it, except that it was kind of nasty looking, to be honest. But other than that, it didn't really affect anything. Fast forward a few years, and I'm starting college. Now, for me, college spurred this time of incredible uncertainty. I found myself questioning everything I believed. What is my purpose? How am I supposed to be an adult? What on earth am I supposed to do with my life? Right, I'm sure these are questions we've all experienced. Honestly, I was afraid of the future. I was only certain of two things. Number one, I wanted to marry Alex. And number two, I wanted us to be happy. I didn't know how or when that was going to happen. I knew that God was probably going to have something to do with it. But to be honest, I wasn't hearing anything. Now, music has been a huge part of my life ever since my parents inherited this nasty old electric organ when I was a kid. I used to sit at that thing for hours. I would like plunk little things, you know. I would fervently play Ode to Joy because that was the only thing I knew how to do. But by high school, I was starting to get serious about music, and I was experiencing some success in it, and I realized that I really couldn't live my life without being actively in music. So I started at UNI as a music composition major, 
And I had these dreams of becoming a movie composer. Well, I found out pretty quick that this was not for me. I really could not figure out composition and music theory, and it kind of took the joy out of music for me, which was really devastating. See, at this time, God was already working on me. I was put in a situation where I had to trust in Him and not in my own abilities. I had to trust that He could see the big picture, even if I couldn't. I was just deciding to change my major to education, and I had a peace and an excitement about the future when November arrived. And this is when Alex said, hey, Bradley, get that nasty thing off of your shoulder. And I said, no, I'm good. And she was like, no, you really should. And I said, okay. And so I did. And thus spurs two long streams of events in my life. The first one is where I increasingly understand and accept the fact that my wife is always right. And the second one is the reason that I'm talking to you today. Now, every doctor and surgeon that I saw, they said that the lump on my shoulder was a sebaceous cyst. They said they'd remove it, and it would be done. And so they did. I had the surgery. I got to skip class for a day. It was awesome. And all was well. However, they had news for me when I returned for a follow-up. This was when my doctor looked me in the eye and said, you have cancer. Here I am. I'm 19 years old. I'm sitting in a doctor's office with my mom and my dad and my girlfriend, and my world screeched to a halt. I remember feeling my heartbeat getting faster and my face turning red and Alex's hand on my shoulder. It felt like I got punched in the stomach. And in that moment, I could almost reach out and touch this future that I was just getting so excited about as it shattered into a million pieces. I had Ewing's sarcoma, which is a rare and aggressive bone cancer. That's what my doctor said. He said rare and aggressive. At the time, I thought it sounded so fictional, you know, like something out of a Lifetime movie. But it was real, and it was happening to me. Ewing's sarcoma attaches to bone, and it spreads. It can often lead to amputation, and if left alone for too long, it leaves only a 10% chance of survival. However, mine was different. It never attached to my clavicle or any other bone, but instead it sat beneath the surface of my skin, surrounded by this thin layer of tissue, for three years without spreading. Now remember, this is an aggressive cancer. It often moves very quickly, but mine sat beneath my skin for three years. My surgeon, who admittedly did not specialize in cancer, he said that he'd never seen anything like this before. I knew that this had to be a God thing, right? And in that moment, I did the only thing that I knew how to do. I prayed. I said, God, thank you for keeping this at bay without me even knowing what was going on. I asked that all future scans come up clean and that I won't have to do anything crazy. I honestly believed that God had already answered my prayer, and I had peace as my future seemed to begin putting itself back together. I went to Mayo Clinic to get my next scans, and they came up completely clear. The doctor said, there is no cancer in my body, and there was much celebration and cheering, but since their scanners didn't see on a microbial level, I was advised to carry out a full regimen of chemotherapy along with a deconstructive surgery to clear out the infected area, just in case. Because if it came back, they said it'd come back in my lung and there wouldn't be much they could do. Honestly, <clears throat> it felt like I didn't have time to react. I was advised to start right away. Things got crazy as I was rushed off to prepare myself for the first round and decisions were being made for me and I needed everything to slow down for a second. Enter Alex. Remember that girl who's always right? Now in the midst of this madness and confusion, she said, hey, maybe you should talk to God about this. So I took a deep breath, and I told everyone I needed a little time. 
Now, over Christmas break that year, I had a huge decision to make. And along with the crazy amount of hats I got for Christmas that year, seriously, it was like 40 hats, I had these two towers of belief standing in front of me. In this corner, I believed what I had always grown up believing, that God heals, and he already healed me, that this cancer was not from him, right? And in this corner, I had this little voice in my head that said, but why do bad things happen to other people and not you? Who are you that you wouldn't have to do this? Is God calling you to this? The decision really terrified me. I had family and friends who were understandably concerned, and they said things like, you have to do this. There's no other answer. God is calling you to this. If he leads you to it, he can lead you through it, and all that other Christian stuff, right? And it didn't help at all. I got all sorts of advice, both welcomed and unwelcomed, but there was one piece that stuck out to me. There was a lady from my church in Davenport, <clears throat> and this is someone I've always really trusted and who's helped me a lot over the years, and she said, you need to do what you have peace for and then you need to trust God. See, this is the only person who didn't tell me what to do, who didn't seem to have it all figured out, right? But she trusted God, and she wanted me to do the same thing. But I didn't really listen to what God was trying to say through her, because I was thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, because I'm an overthinker, and I'm an analyzer, and I tried so hard just to get it. I tried so hard to figure it out. I wanted to understand why this was happening and what I had to do. I wanted God to sit down in front of me and say to me in words where he was in all this, and then maybe I could trust him, as long as I didn't have to surrender my understanding, as long as I could stay in control instead of surrendering control. But that didn't happen. God didn't sit down and tell me what was going on, and I didn't understand. So I said, whatever. Instead of trusting God and letting go, I held on tight to that control that I thought I needed, and I decided to start treatment. My first round was in January of 2012. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat my chemotherapy experience. It really sucked. See, different people's bodies kind of react to it in different ways, and my body didn't do a very good job, apparently. My life completely stopped. I was always sick, I felt like I was dying, I had no energy, I became addicted to narcotics because they kept me feeling numb, and I felt so alone. I felt so far away from God, this God that I had always been told would be with me forever, right? But it felt like he wasn't there, and I wasn't myself, and everyone I was around knew it. There was this one night in Iowa City, after one of my first rounds of chemotherapy, I got up in the night to go to the bathroom, you know, and I was pushing my little IV pole, and Next thing I know, I woke up on the floor after having grown up and passed out. And there were nurses all around me, and my mom was freaking out, and all I could think of was, why God? And honestly, the physical stuff wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was how totally and completely alone I felt. And the truth is that it was my own fault. See, I'm like a lot of people in that I tend to hold in how I feel. My years of hiding depression and anxiety in middle and high school made me really good at plastering a nice Christian smile on my face and saving my tears for when no one was around. And during this time, I even convinced myself that I was doing the right thing. I could tell it was hard for Alex to see me feeling so sick and so weak. And my pride told me that I'd be doing everyone a solid if I faked like I was okay. When the truth is that I needed help, regardless of whether or not I chose to admit it. I had people all around me. They were cheering me on. They were offering comfort. They were asking how I was. But I locked myself in this dark closet, and I threw away the key because my pride said that alone was safer, and my pride said that alone was stronger. I hid behind this facade that said I can take it, even though I couldn't. During this time, I even used to lie to people 
You know, people were always asking how I was doing, and I would literally say, I feel completely normal. When in my head, I'd be thinking, well, my entire body aches, and it hurts just to stand here talking to you, and I feel like someone who's been slowly, di- slowly dying for the past few months, but can't seem to get the job done. But don't worry, I'll be stoned in a half hour, and in an hour, I'll escape to sleep, so tomorrow I can wake up and do it all over again. A lot of people ask, and this question made me really mad, they would say, aren't you just having so much time with the Lord now that you're in the hospital all the time? And I'd say, oh yes, it's the greatest, hashtag blessed, you know? (laughs) Even though in my head I was thinking, yeah, in my last conversation with God, I was begging him to just kill me. But just like every other time, I got nothing. And I really should have said these things to someone. I should have reached out and said, oh my God, help me, because this is awful and I can't take it. But instead I hid it all. See, I was being bombarded by these lies from Satan that told me that I didn't matter enough and that God had abandoned me and that no one could help me and that it was hopeless and it wasn't true. But I was hurting and I was scared and frankly, I'm super stubborn and so I bought into it. Things kind of started to change after my fifth or sixth round. Alex was driving me back to school and this really frustrated me. See, I wasn't even strong enough to drive myself but she was driving and I was feeling this anger that I had never really experienced before. And I was yelling at God in my head saying, how could you do this to me? How could you leave me alone? Where are you? Are you even real? Alex had turned this song on. It was called Anthem. And the chorus said, I am royalty. I have destiny. I have been set free. I'm gonna change history. The part that stuck out to me was this line. It said, I have destiny. See, I'd probably heard that song a lot during this time. But in that moment, I felt God reach out and grab at my heart for the first time in what felt like forever. I was still angry, but now my anger had shifted directions. And I was mad that I had bought into these stupid lies and received this false death. When the truth is that cancer doesn't get the authority over me. Cancer does not have authority over my life because I serve the most high God who heals the sick and makes blind people see and who sent his son for us to bear every single curse on the cross. He did that for me because I am his. God has the authority over my life. See, I knew I was healed way back at the start, but I was so afraid and I needed this control and so I acted like God wasn't my healer, like he wasn't in control, as if he wasn't even real. And I tried doing the whole thing on my own. I made a decision then. I decided to let go. And then I cried for the next two hours and Alex was sitting in the driver's seat like Dove and telling you this the entire time. (laughs) Whatever. See, I realized here that I didn't have to understand everything. Bad things do happen in this life, right? We live in a fallen world, but it's not my job to figure everything out. Here's what I understand. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will not let you slip and fall. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And Romans 8, 28, we know that God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God tells us in scripture that bad stuff does happen in this life. 
But he also promises over and over again to take all the hurt and all the disease and all the crap that comes our way and turn it into something beautiful. I decided then to stop chemotherapy. My former decision to start now felt kind of poisonous because I did it out of fear. And I decided that I wasn't going to be afraid anymore. I was going to receive God's healing that had already taken place at the beginning. Okay, but hear this. The beauty in this wasn't just the fact that I wasn't doing chemo anymore, and it wasn't in the fact that I was healed. See, even if it didn't work out that way, even if I needed to continue treatment, I'd receive something even more beautiful than my circumstance. And that beauty was when God reached into my heart and replaced some of my fear and my pride with his love and his strength. He showed me that my method of trying to do this all on my own and do it my own way wasn't working so well. And he showed me that I can trust him because he created my destiny way before I was born. Because above all, he loves me. He created my destiny and he loves me. I finally surrendered and as I let go, I reached out. See, my decision to stop still really scared me. So I asked my pastor from Davenport to pray for me and also this other pastor I knew from San Antonio. And before I knew it, I was receiving support from hundreds of people, including an entire congregation of people I've never met who put my picture on the screen every Sunday and prayed for me together. I wrote down God's promises about healing from scripture and I spoke them out loud every single day. Now God probably didn't need me to repeat it so much. He probably heard me the first time, right? But I needed it. See, it reminded me that God's perfect love destroys the fear that still tried to worm its way into my mind. It reminded me that I needed to cling to God and not to myself. And I started getting real with people and I allowed them to pour the love of God into me and to encourage me and to keep me steady. Okay, let's fast forward. Y'all, I'm cancer free and I've been cancer free for three years. I'm one year past the free and clear mark given to me by my oncologist. Now on top of this healing, and teaching me to trust him, God has taken this and worked it for my good, just like he promised to do in Romans. There's a lot of things that he's done, but here's just a couple. There was a final surgery, and it was supposed to take about a month to recover from, and it took only a few weeks, and I did it all without pain medication. Now, this was a huge deal, because going into the surgery, I was really afraid that I was gonna get re-addicted to the narcotics that were so difficult to get off of. Another thing is I was accepted into this government program that completely wiped clean my medical debt because of my age and the rarity of my condition. I also received a massive scholarship from you and I because of my decision to remain in school during chemotherapy. And then there's the most important thing. Alexandria is now my wife. And during this time, she was 19 years old. But she was patient and she was brave and she was loving and she served me in ways that I couldn't understand until later. She did a lot of stuff, but here's one thing. After my surgery, my arm was in a sling. I wasn't permitted to move it at all because of the bone work and how much stretching they had to do to close the wound. And uh, Alex and I, we both lived in Campbell Hall, the dorm at UNI. And uh, every morning, she would come over and she would help me button my shirt. Then she would get down on her knee and she would tie my shoes for me because I couldn't. Now this really seems probably really simple, right? But to me it was absolutely everything. Alexandria embodied the patient and unwavering love of Jesus and she continues to do that every single day. Now like you, I'm a human. 
and I live in this fallen world with you, and I know that I'm not the only one in this room who knows what suffering feels like. And it doesn't have to be death or cancer to be suffering, right? Sometimes we all feel overwhelmed or scared or alone or not good enough or hopeless. And I'm here to tell you that I'm sorry about that. Truly I am, and as someone who's been there, I wish I could just reach out and take that pain and that worry from you, but I can't, because it's not my job, and it's not your job to bear it on your own. See, I've often spent way too much time and energy trying to understand stuff and to do everything on my own as if I ever could, and not enough time crying out for help to God and to the people around me. And I still get that way sometimes. Our culture is steeped in this hard-headed independence and tough guy facade. But I've learned that the bravest thing to do is to break past that. And sometimes that requires us to take off that plastic Christian smiley face and get real before God and before the people we trust. And something that will always remain true for me is that talking to God in prayer is not just some Christian activity they teach you in Sunday school, right? It's not just saying grace or now I lay me down to sleep. It is a dialogue with the creator of the universe, the one who hung the stars and who moves the oceans and still sees you and knows you better than anyone else and loves you better than anyone else, just the way you are. I don't think we're even capable of comprehending the profoundness with which we are loved. So I wanna challenge you. With whatever it is you're dealing with, this is something that worked for me. Take that thing, that worry, that pain, and hold it in your fist and talk to God about it. Be real and be honest. Tell him what scares you. Tell him if you're upset and what your desires are. God created the truth. I'm sure he can handle it. Then thank him for how amazing he is and ask for his help. And then gotta let it go. Surrender it to the only one who can truly take care of it, the one who created your destiny and the one who loves you. Then look around at the people he's given you who love you and find one person you trust and ask them to stand with you. And I pray that if any of you can see yourself in my situation with my pride and with my fear, that God will show you how much beauty and strength there is in surrendering and being vulnerable and in reaching out. Thanks, y'all. I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, you know, really, this really isn't a story about cancer. It's not really a story about, about even healing um, from sickness. I, I, it's a your story is a compelling story of letting go and of mm -hmm. surrender. Exactly what you were saying. Mm -hmm. We don't need to know everything. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be alone. God loves us. God stands with us. And he creates opportunities, so many of them, for others to stand with us as well. Um, if we're willing to let go. Mm -hmm. So I hope, I think I know, there may be some of you encouraged in here in ways that you haven't felt before. And you're thinking about what that is, what it is that you could let go, um, wanting to understand the pride, the control, the fear. And I encourage you, you know, be encouraged 
by this young man's story. God is still shaping and working in you, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Um, and just be encouraged by that. Same God that loves Bradley, loves you. All right, let, let's pray. God, uh, thanks for Bradley's story. We are grateful. We are grateful that you chose to enter into his life uh, with healing and with grace in a very physical way. And I pray for everyone in this room, everyone listening, who may be struggling with something uh, specific, uh, an illness, struggling with cancer itself, um, another form of brokenness in their life, relational, emotional, financial, something that is out of control, something that is so hard to understand. I pray, God, that rather than fight against it alone, convinced that we can be strong enough and tough enough, may we offer it to you. And rather than come up with our own understanding, ask for your truth. Open ourselves up to your grace and your love and, and your peace. Receive your promises that in all things you can work for good and will work for good for those who choose to love and follow you. God, thank you. Thank you for that. That regardless of our situation, that you stand with us. May we trust you. God, bless Bradley and Alex. Bless their marriage. Bless their life. Thank you for bringing him uh, as a leader into our, in our church staff too. We're inspired by how you have worked in his life. Now accept our worship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.